0: To the worst nightmare of all reality. Explore the lesser known stories of our unknown world. Join the pursuit of the paranormal with Ash and Greg.
1: Good evening, Ash. How are we doing? Evening, Greg. Not too bad. How are you? How are you this fine Monday
0: evening? I know. I can't believe it's Monday yet again. Um, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm sat in the recording studio. I can't, I can't. <laughs> That's what I want to call it now. And I'm the only one here in the whole building. Um, and on previous episodes, I've there's a, like, um, a main area. You guys can't see it, but I'm pointing. And um, I hear noises. I go to a loo, the other part of the building. TMI, and I'm in there with the door locked, and I can hear not noises outside the door, which is a bit odd. But apart from that, I'm all okay. I'm all okay. How totally are you doing? Alone. Not totally alone. Well, I'm, well. Interestingly, where my recording is taking place, um, there is another building that can be used as well. And in there is reports, and have been reports, of a spirit. Nice. I don't know if that's true, but certain people that are close to me in this building normally tell me that there's sometimes a cold breeze, all sorts. So that spirit may have come over to the new building, so watch the space. (laughs) Watch the space. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. On Saturday, I've got a investigation in a Antwerp mansion in Manchester, like a, a public so, ghost hunt. Okay. thing. What when you it said it Antwerp
0: State mansion, State. I thought you meant yeah. Holland. At one point, because I know you've you said to me before Antwerp's in Holland, and Netherlands, Belgium. There Belgium. as well.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. So that oh. will be fun. Is it first time doing like a
1: public one? I think so. The only one that was local to me, all the rest like down south. So I'll do this one. Yeah, look out for the people.
0: Look out for the people that are clearly always at those events. You'll spot them. I went to one and somebody they thought most haunted was real. So you can imagine the conversations that everybody's having with these people about the fact that it wasn't real. And they, they, they looked absolutely shocked by it. They were like, what? It's like you told them Father Christmas is not real.
1: <laughs> so Anyway. Anyway. Yes. Anyway. I forgot about a guest. Just chatting, <laughs> just chatting amongst ourselves. Uh, <laughs> this week we are joined by Jason Cleaves Jason Glees, quite uh, well known in the UFO world, particularly in the UK. Guest on yep. many other podcasts. Always hearing him on Howard Hughes, especially, um, yeah, or for a number of books, including UFO Photo, UFO Ufology Umbrella. So, welcome, Jason Gleaves. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, guys, it's a pleasure Hiya.
2: to be on your
0: show. Sorry, you had to listen to all of that as well.
1: <laughs> that's fine, that's fine.
2: <laughs> Sound it sounds intriguing actually. I was like, I was just going along with it, I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: we um so me and you, Jason. We we actually met at the UFO mini conference. You were sat next we to did. me for most of the day. We did. We did. That was, yeah, that was a good event.
2: Yeah, right. Little natters there, didn't we? Yeah. About yeah, all kinds yeah. of Strange things.
0: Yeah, we I showed you. I showed you. I think we've put it. I don't know if we put it up on the page before. I showed you that one second video that somebody had sent us about the. Uh, alien they filmed in front of us or oh, in front of them sorry that was emailed yeah. to us by some random account yeah um, so we it, we did have some was, back and forth throughout the day yeah interesting video did, we but
2: did. well again it's when you get these videos you you look at them and then you've got to sort of look at the background haven't you where it's come yeah. from the person you know and then really you go from there don't you so
0: that that's a probably a good place to start. So people will obviously send you video footage and photographs. What, what, how do you go about sort of investigating those photos or videos?
2: Well, yeah, it, it, I get all kinds of things sent to me, as you can imagine, uh, yeah. images and footage. Um, and I, I approach them all the same way. I try to you know, do a little bit of Sherlock Holmes on them. And I, I try and, like I said, look at the person, look at the location, look at the, what they're taking, the, you know, the image, what's the, the subject in, in that you know, formula of you know, footage or photography. And then really you try to eliminate things first before you even get down to looking in or analysing what it actually could be. Because a lot of the times you can eliminate things way before you've not wasted your time, but you, you're going into the depth of research, as we all know. And, yeah. and time's a bit of a, a squeeze at the minute, isn't
1: it? 100%. <laughs> yeah. So I know you, you've got your X R F and ex-British Aerospace Airbus yeah uh, division sort of having that background how's that sort of affected your approach to the whole like ufo subject well
2: it's changed because obviously my interaction with ufos and ufology started when i was seven years old when i had the sighting with my sister in liverpool entry we all know where the, the famous race is every year you know the grand national and um Yeah, uh, that was where it started. And then obviously through my life, I've had experiences and strange happenings that's happened right the way through, through my military and civilian life. And then obviously getting into UFOlogy, as we all know with the books and, you know, analysing, you know, images and we've just gone into that. But then with the background of aerospace and, um, and, and the Royal Air Force, when I was looking at UFOs, they to me they had to be nuts and bolts. They had to be if they didn't if they weren't that real, you know, nuts and bolts. They weren't real, you know. As in, mm. we're not thinking beyond now. As as more uh, up to date in ufology, people actually look at the, You know, the the whole thing of ufology. You know, we're talking about multi dimensional craft, interdimensional dimensional craft. You know things outside the box that we'd never ever think of before but as i said you know i was always thinking if it's not nuts and bolts then how can that be so how can that be there in the air and how can it do what it's doing and but then ufology progresses it never stands still and it's always looking forwards. and again my opinion and my you know the way i've looked at ufology has changed and it's caught up with like I've just said, you know, uh, multi-dimensional and interdimensional and and the things I've done. You know, you only look at the stuff I've done for um, Peter Slattery and James Gilliland in, in Australia. You know, I'm, James is in uh, East Eti, uh, Mount Adams in, in the States. And you look at the stuff they're coming out with, they're probably the, the forefront of... The orbs and that type of a thing where they power up, and you're getting a completely different interaction with craft and what they are. And again, with what Pete's actually come forward, where he's had beings manifesting, you know, right in front of his eyes, and he's actually caught them on photograph and have analyzed those photographs for him. So, you know, we've got to look beyond everything else. It's really, you just don't stand still in ufology, you've got to keep looking what's the next thing, you know, what could be incorporated in within UFOlogy and make it more understandable for most people.
1: So you mentioned ESETI there. That's something that we've talked about on the podcast. One of Greg's talked quite a lot about the ESETI event. So how did you sort of get involved with with those guys?
2: Well, really, uh, Pete, Pete was probably the first. It wasn't actually Pete, it was Mary Rodwell. She was the first lady I sort of watching. You know, like we, when we get into the ufology realm, we, we're all looking for the next video to watch, aren't we? We're all looking for that next bit of information. And I joke, I call it Richard Dreyfus syndrome. You know, the character of Close Encounters where he goes, he has that sighting in the movie, then he just goes berserk. He wants more information. He doesn't know why. And we all go down that journey. I don't care what anybody says. Spielberg was spot on with that, you know. But I was looking into, obviously, UFOs, images. i go over past cases. And somehow I came up to the regression where, you know, part of abduction and that side of it. And then Mary Rodwell came forefront for me. You know, she's top lady in her field. Um, and she was actually giving an, a regression session to Peter, Peter Slattery in Australia. Um, and do you know of Peter? Do you know his background of what he, he... He was a rapper, I think, you know, he musician again. I go into that side where people, musicians with frequencies and they're more open to sightings. You know, like you've got Robbie Williams and all these famous people, Elvis, right the way through, had interactions so it's the frequency thing but then she, he was having a, a regression with mary and again with his sightings and he, and he came through with the beings and everything and i just found it fascinating and then obviously i i didn't i i sort of knew about peter but in the background i thought hang on i need to take note of this guy i need to go and have a look at his stuff for myself you know and start to analyze them and i went through them like i did with all the other cases started at the beginning looked at his background look at location you know the, the whole thing and then i was coming up with stuff thinking i can't and there's no answer to this really because they are what they are you know the sightings the the interactions with the beings manifest themselves the palladians you know right the way through and i just started posting them like i do i don't keep up to myself i just put it on the page you know and and, and then obviously through pete and then we became good friends and i started to do more and more and it just you know he started to post what i'd analyzed on his page and then he would come to me with amazing images and amazing footage you know and i, I put him probably still in the, the top one percent within the you know the world of abductions and you know coming forward with that type of thing and then obviously through that Pete spends a lot of time at the SETI ranch he has the SETI ranch his own in Australia there's also an SETI ranch in Japan Uh, there's obviously James Gilliland SETI Ranch, the original, which is Mount Adams in the States. And they all interact with each other and work, you know, and put the findings out there. And, that, and that's how it all came about with, with those two. And then about two years ago, I think we did the documentary together, you know, the multidimensional documentary, which is on uh, Amazon Prime and, you know, iTunes and everything. And, um, and it was really about Pete. I, I've also done a documentary on him on my YouTube channel, which is free to anyone wants to watch it. It's about an hour long, and it goes through his entire life, his sightings as a young child, and it goes right the way through, um, and it just shows all the different, multiple different types of craft that he's photographed. Because I joke, I, I say Peter goes to bed with his camera, literally, because he goes everywhere and takes images. And there was the time when i was speaking with him via australia on skype he says I, I can hear footprints going across the it's like an annex to where he lived you know an outside sort of shed part and he said i can hear the footprints again and he just gets up and takes photographs it's like instant to him he just does it uh, he went outside he come in and he said i've just caught a being outside you know again yeah, and it's nothing to him it's like blase you know <laughs> And you go, okay. And again, you can see on the footage, he's taking it, and you can see a grey popping its head up. I think I showed you the photograph, didn't I, Greg, at the, yes. the thing? Yeah. But, you know, it's like you look at it and think, wow, you know. And he always says to me that the greys are nosy. He says they're always um, inquisitive. And, you know, there's another one where he set up a motion camera in his house. That's on the documentary, too, where they analyze that and it's in, the, it's in the dead of night he's looking forward the camera you can see it and then just to the side there's a wall going out and you can see the grey popping its head round the corner and popping its head back in and blinking and everything it's like but then I did and also I also did a, a um, an overlay of a frame from that footage and a frame of the footage of the being outside and they were of the same being so there's that He's got the Pleiadians woman, where she's uh, manifesting within his house. That's all on there. Then there's also the the other one where he was staying at the Seti ranch, uh, at James's ranch. Um, and he said when he woke up one morning, there's a being that he interacts with called uh, Guan Yin. And she's very orientating looking. She looks very you know Japanese type of look to her um she's actually in the book i've actually analyzed and put that in the book and he took a photograph on his phone and then i got him later on that day to go back and take a photograph from the same position on the bed and then i've done an overlay and you can see it's all the same room and you know just to back up the information of what he's putting out there whether people believe it or not it's up to them isn't it you know it's not we, we put out the findings, what we get, and just basically put them out for everybody else. But that that was how long long story. But that's how I came across James and and Pete really.
0: Because James is an interesting character. I've wanted to go and take the family to um, the Gilliland Ranch. I, I, mm. I was just as we were talking now, I was calling up ESA because we we've reached out to um James t- to come on the podcast and i sent an email that i'd sent 6 years ago saying oh, and my right, family yeah. want to come and um,
2: come and, <laughs> and stay at the ranch how can we do it people go go to the ranch they, they yeah. stay home. i mean you've had the likes of uh, Dan Aykroyd and um you know uh, i think oh god i can't remember his name the 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 Cockney lad off East End as the barman.
0: Danny Dyer's been there.
2: Danny yep. Dyer. Danny's went over and he actually saw he had an interaction with yeah, the crack.
0: Yeah, it's actually um, a really good episode. It was like Danny yeah. Dyer does something. I don't know what it was. Yeah, And um, it was an episode of him at Gilliland Ranch with James and everybody there. And he's witnessing yeah. stuff through Is the he, night cause... vision goggles.
2: But the thing with James is, I mean, I gave a talk there um, a couple of years back via Skype. Um, I've not actually, I keep getting an invitation to go out and I just don't get the time (laughs) to go out. But, um if you're with James and he's outside and they have the Bigfoot coming, you know, approaching, you get all different types of craft manifesting, you get the orbs and, and James will stand there. And he says, literally there's an orb coming over from the right and it, the, the East or the West. And, it, and it'll be over at a certain time. And you're standing there. It comes over exactly as he says, literally it's Amazing. like he's, And he did it for the Ancient Aliens a couple of years back. They went out and filmed there for one of the the, the series. And the usual thing, they didn't use a lot of the footage. And he actually told the producer and the person presenting that the orbs will come over at a certain time and everything. And he did it for them, but they didn't show it on the Ancient Aliens.
0: Amazing. I know because um, yeah. the the people that haven't seen the ranch, should look it up because it's at the foot of Mount Adams and it's a beautiful place regardless. And yeah. I've seen video footage of like lights appearing from the side of the mountain and just yeah. coming out and just going well, off or coming into I, the mountain. If it's
2: you look on uh, org, is the webpage mm. yeah. um, and you'll see stuff I've analysed on there. I know obviously or everything james and people put on there as well but you'll see one where i analyzed a craft actually coming out the mountain where it's actually coming out at high velocity and you'll see that on there
0: it's it's an amazing place and i definitely i want to go there i've been wanting to go for six seven years now and that's Yeah. yeah it'd be love to love to is there any other places apart from like the Iseti Ranch that you've had the pleasure of sort of working with or analyzing footage from? Because obviously, there's there's certain ranches in the US, particularly, that seem to be a hive of activity, and we've, been, yeah. Ash have spoke, um, about it on previous podcasts. We 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 talked about a series of ranches, and um, I just wondered if if you've had any opportunity to to sort of see footage and analyze footage from anywhere else on these sort of big, big places.
2: That's the, the, the usual sort of places I've looked into, like Skimwalker Ranch, which every, everyone goes there and they still can't explain what's going yeah. on. It's on an Indian reser- reservation, isn't it? And um, yeah. I think that's got an awful lot to do with it, like get off our land sort of thing. 100%, um, yeah. There's an awful lot, and the military and all the you know, um, higher authorities have taken a big interest in that place. Mm. Um, other places, really, I've I've gone actually a few years back, spent the night on the mountain. Um, uh, oh god, in Wales, North Wales, Berwyn Mountain, the Berwyn Mountain. And, um, yeah, there was a big gang of us and we all stayed on the mountain all night. And that was really eerie. It was for the 30th or 50th anniversary of the Berwyn on that night and we stayed. And I swear not, it was like a scene from Close Encounters right in the middle of the night. It was like the fog came in and it, all you could see was the road, you know, and that that's all I could think about. Nothing happened, but um you know you do these mad things don't you to um oh, to, yeah you know the, the, the things like that but then i look at everywhere and anywhere because you can see craft i go out in my garden um and i can see you know 10 15 craft a night literally wow. because you have got to know what you're looking for as in you know, aircraft and satellites and, you know, all those sorts of things you eliminate. I mean, I live on the flight path for Liverpool Airport, so I know, you know, the EasyJet and things like that are coming in all the time. And if you go on the apps, the free apps, and you can be paid apps, and it tells you what aircraft's coming in, you know. that If you go on the satellite apps, Heavens Above, I think it's called, uh, and it even you can put in a time and a date and it will give you exactly what was flying over, you know, at your sighting or whatever you want to call it. Um, and again, I've seen them come in the, the craft literally and zigzag across the sky, you know, wow. right in front. I have videoed them. I put them on my page and I know I can go outside. Um, there was one the other morning when I was going to work very early in the morning, about five o'clock, pitch black where i live you know like in a village um and as i looked up directly looked up in the sky two orbs crossed each other right above my head literally no sounds nothing and just straight over and it was like exactly crossed it was like unbelievable it just made me laugh when i saw it and then i just carried on to work but yeah a lot of strange things happened to me you know missing time and all kinds
1: so
0: Okay, we'll come on to that. <laughs> yeah, so, so <laughs> yeah. one,
1: one thing. Oh, go on. I was going to kind of say. So, talking about your sort of own experiences, you mentioned one when you were seven with your sister. Yeah, and yeah. Tell us a bit more about what what you saw then.
2: That that was really when it started for me. Um, and it's seven years old is like the golden age, isn't it? For most people, say they have a sighting and interaction. It, but it was. I was seven. My, my sister's a year older than me. And we were playing in, in our relative's house in Entry in Liverpool. They'd gone away, so I think we were like house sitting and, and but we were just playing in the bedroom. There was a large field at the back. At the front of the house is the race course. So it's like open fields sort of thing everywhere. It's a bit strange for Liverpool, but that's the way it is there. And um, we'd actually we were just playing upstairs and we're looking out the window and I, basically, it was a disc-shaped craft hovered outside the window, metallic-looking. It hovered there for a while, and then it just flew off at high velocity. But the strange thing is, myself and my sister, we just carried on playing like nothing had happened. It was it was weird, really weird. Um, and I'd actually forgotten about the whole incident only too much later when when I got back into ufology, you know, into more depth again. Uh, my sister reminded me, and she actually said, "Do you remember when we saw that craft outside the window? And I was like, mm, and it slowly came back to me and it's it's a it's a strange feeling when you get a memory coming back like that, you know, when you think, why didn't I remember that? And that was really after then, I started. before then, it was like I was no interest in UFOs or paranormal or you know the unexplained. But after that event, I couldn't get enough of it. I was like in, you know, uh, local library because at the time, no internet. So you wanted to look up stuff. You either got a magazine or a, a book and, and that's how we got it, wasn't it? Or on the TV, I you remember Arthur C. Clarke having that mysterious world show on. That's you
0: remember my it, go-to yeah. program. Yeah, that's how. That's yeah. what got me into it all. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, and he had everything. He had UFOs, yeah. big forts. Stick There you go. That, that's it. There, that's the one <laughs> with the with the skull on the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's creepy and music I, and everything. Yeah, and I was always. It was always on at a time when I was. It was past my bedtime, and I was always <laughs> pleaded with my mum and dad to let me watch it. But anyway, that that was, that was the show and then obviously I just couldn't get enough UFOs and then Star Wars came out literally and it was like wow, that changed my life. You know, Close Encounters and it just spring bolted from there. Literally I was like, oh. Star Wars, when Star Wars came out, I was taken to see it by my auntie in Liverpool and Um, It was then when you used to go to pictures and you'd sit behind somebody in in the cinema and you couldn't see because they were too tall. You go to the cinema now, they're all staggered seats, aren't they? So Hmm. but at the time, if if you got a big person sat in front of you, you couldn't see the film, could you?
1: Exactly. And I
2: sat in I sat in the steps. I sat on the steps so I could see the film, but no one getting in my way. Anyway, I'm going off the track. Though. That was the <laughs>
0: days, just incidentally, A, you've just given away roughly your age, and B, yeah. um, <laughs> back in those days, before the internet, for all the young people listening, there was a time when there was no internet. And yeah. um, there was also adverts at the cinema. Do you remember? The films used to yeah. stop halfway through, and you'd have like a 15-minute break. Ice creams.
2: That was the <laughs> yeah. ice cream thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah
0: let's all go to the mm. lobby yeah sorry
2: a big big cues for the
0: toilet <laughs> <laughs> reminiscing reminisce is, yeah. is it yeah ash ash you look really confused by that It was oh my dark, time, dark dark days dark days <laughs> yeah so just very quickly you talked about profound experiences and the mm-hmm. fact that your profound experience that you kind of acted natural after yeah. it happened. So we yeah. spoke to Sasha Christie. And oh, she was Sasha, talking yeah. about some. Yeah. So she's been taught. And she was at the UFO mini conference as well. Um, yeah. She was talking about a time when she had these experiences and literally like went back into the house as though nothing could.
2: Nothing had happened.
0: happened. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it, it, and seems, it seems to, to what, be a normal thing. Yeah. Like the, the reaction
0: is to something so profound happening that people just. Yeah. Act yeah, normal it's like, and just it's, go about their like, business.
2: It's weird. It's like somebody being shot and you're just walking back in the house. It's like mm. why am I doing what I'm doing? Do you think it's because it's so profound
0: that that's the only natural reaction that your brain has is to just
2: be like normal? Wash it out, yeah. yeah. And
0: Hence sort of so you forgetting gloss roughly over. what happens. Here. Yeah, and yeah. you sort of de- compartmentalise the the um the memory and you kind of put it to the back of your mind, like you said, you'd forgotten about it for years, yeah, Until your yeah. sister brought it up again, so it was such a profound experience that that's the only way your brain can deal with it is to go, yeah, didn't happen.
2: Well, that, that <laughs> and, that's what happens to people when they go through trauma, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah, they, they get the 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 body fights against it, doesn't it, and you lose the mm. memory of it.
0: Yeah yeah it's it's an interesting thing actually just the fact that it so you've got people like having screen memories and they're this weird things happening to them but all they can see is like a tree trunk or an owl or a disney character in front of them when it's potentially some kind of extraterrestrial ultra ultra terrestrial experience they're having that their brain cannot cope with no, and make head no, no tail of what they're seeing. So they it's, go, you know like what? It's like a safety make it
2: feature. As... Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I've had people who have contacted me um, and, and the stories they've come forward with through abductions and, you know, this mm. sort of thing. And again, I've had somebody say that um, they had a cartoon character walk in the room, you know, a famous cartoon character that they knew and loved. Um, I've had somebody say that an elephant walked in the room and wow. you think, and, and they said at the time, how did, how does an elephant just do that? But I think it's a backup. It's, it's, it's maybe it's a way of the extraterrestrial, the alien during an, an abduction or um, in an experience and they come in and literally feed into your, your psyche, into your memory and look for a safety memory, something that will keep you calm, that will keep you, you know, you see a character, an animal, and you're yeah. going to not react in such a way to seeing the, you know, uh, uh, almond shaped little grave coming up to you, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: I went to, I saw bringing it a bit more recent. Uh, we've got the, the, the Calvin photo. Mm-hmm not long ago sort of came out that they finally found this, this photo for 30 years ago. What do you make of the, the photo you sort of analyzed it yourself?
2: Yeah, I I went in, I mean, I've seen the photograph a while ago and it's been sort of sneaking around, but this is the famous one that was on the back door, isn't it? And the, the X files, MOD office. And, you know, I want to believe and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I believe it's a real photograph. You know, just through the fact that the channels it's come through, the way you know, Doctor Clark, uh, Clark has you know done a brilliant job of finding the guy. You know, the the ex Air Force officer who had it, who shouldn't have kept it, and he did. Um, there was apparently six photographs, and the others went missing. That's a surprise, isn't it? Um, but if you look at what the actual image shows you can see the harrier jump jet i saw that straight away because i know at that time the photograph was supposedly taken that they were stationed in scotland a squadron of harriers same type of harrier whether it was a gr1 or something like that you know and um it's obviously either flying past this object or interacting with it in some way and for an object that size, if it's stationary in the sky, then we've got to start thinking: is it secret covert uh, tech, not necessarily extraterrestrial? Was the Harrier interacting with something it knew? It knew that the, you know, it was on a, an exercise together. You don't know that. So there's an awful lot of maybes in it. But you know, something of that size, if it is there, we're talking anti-gravity. So again, that opens another pot of worms, you know, it's literally, we all know that it's there, but they're not releasing it, you know, and so yeah, you can go on and on speculating. So a question then. So
0: if if we believe that it's to be some kind of military technology, Mm -hmm. and this is 30 years ago. How far do you think we've come with military technology in that 30 years, if they're able to to build and test something like this, that seems to have only been seen once, yeah. certainly on photograph. Yeah. What, how far do you think we've advanced? Have we advanced fast and far enough that the likes of the Tic Tac and those kind of craft are mm. our tech? And I say our uh, tech, as in human tech, rather than
2: yeah. U.S. UK. I always put that back to when I was in the the Gulf War, the first Gulf War, um, and the first time I ever saw the stealth fighter bomber, F, you know the F seventeen, was mm-hmm. in the Gulf. No one had seen it before then. And if you see that that aircraft, it's triangular. It's very odd looking. It's you know not doesn't appear on radar. There's so many things that is alien about that tech. Now that was out and they said that was on the drawing boards 30 years or so before that, literally. Yeah. So the, the, the given that they say is literally what we've got now, they're 50 years ahead of what they've actually got. So, so they're going into planetary definitely. This thing with the Space Force coming out recently, you know, you've got the, the Army, Marines, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, all in, in, in the U.S. military side. And then yeah. they've just introduced the Space Force and they've made it all legit, singing and dancing. I personally believe this is just the, the, um, the drip feed effect of what... Um, uh, years ago the uh, NASA hacker um, McKinnon Gary McKinnon yeah. he actually broke in didn't he you know he somehow he got into the NASA computers and he found pilots, space pilots you know names captains craft and everything and I believe this is the space force is just the drip feed effect coming through of the tech that is already in use and has been in use. For a long time and it's their way of just coming out and saying look what we've got look look what we can do even though they've been doing it for years and years already yeah.
0: have you seen the uniform for the space force
2: i don't think i have no
0: it's absolutely horrendous just have a look <laughs> at it i saw it the other day so it's, it's okay. weird that you mentioned it now you go what you could have come out with something <laughs> better than that. And B, Gary McKinnon. So I used to be into computers when I when they first started coming out of Sinclair and all yeah. that kind of stuff. We, incidentally, that was in the news the other day as well, about yeah. Plyo Sinclair, weirdly. Um, <laughs> so I was into all the, like hacking stories that fascinated me, like war games and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Gary McKinnon incidentally said that the, the computers that he accessed were only computers that didn't have passwords on. So they yeah. were all unlocked computers. So he never technically hacked anything. He just accessed
2: no. an open it computer. He was allowed in, wasn't nuts, he? yeah
0: Which is nuts, yeah. So what that says, A, about security, and B, about what they're prepared to put on servers yeah. is interesting. But the, the Space Force, do you... Do you see that there is definitely a space force out there? We've spoken to people who claim to be um, doing work via remote and remote viewing, um, um, astro, uh, astral astro, projections. Astro, yeah. Sorry, I yeah, can't think yeah. of the working for the U.S. government doing astral projections. Um, yeah, all over the place now. Oh yeah. Do, do you genuinely, be, I, I mean, we've been doing this podcast for a couple of years, speak, speaking to people like yourself. We speak to all sorts of people, abductees, everything. And it it's definitely opens my eyes to what could possibly be there. Do you genuinely think there are these space programs with these off-world activity um, and that we are sufficiently advanced enough that we're doing it now?
2: yeah de- definitely yeah yeah and it's really that's just through what i've found myself um i yeah. found uh, obviously buildings on the moon mars etc i found space stations on the far side in orbit around the moon um and they're huge i'm talking huge you know craft that are there um and I, people don't realize that, you know, this space force is a new thing, but it's not a new thing because Russia had a space force from 1992 to 1997. They actually had, and they've been the forefront of space, you know, with the, um, the space station and everything else and interacting for many years, you know, going above that. and, if you're dominant in space, then you are the leader. You know, that's the way it is, really. You know, you've, if you've got the, the latest tech up there, you're in charge. You know, yeah. or they like, they like to think they're in charge. Um, yeah, yeah, I definitely believe that there's bases off-world. They've been going off-world. We've all heard stories of them going through jump rooms, you know, to Mars and things like that. You know, I believe there's an awful, awful lot going on behind the scenes. And it's, it will, it'll it all come out one day. It will all come out. And, you know, it'll be like watching a science fiction movie for real. Yeah.
0: So we, we've got people like Elon Musk doing the SpaceX visiting Mars. Mm-hmm. So if there are bases on Mars already, will they allow, I say allowing however you want to, Phrase like term yeah there, will they allow him to go to mars because obviously once that he gets there spacex that is and yeah. these people land and it comes out potentially comes out that we've been there already and humans are there yeah what does that do i mean disclosure would have to come before that well, i would have thought
2: you say disclosure, but disclosure has already happened. You know, I say this to, and you, you, I can see, you know, you believe it yourself literally because, you know, it's just the wealth of information Mm. we've got out there, you know, and the, the images, even if 1% of the images, which I know there's more, but even if 1% of the images is, is real, then it's real, isn't it? You know, it's actually there. Um, and people That's the say, same oh, that me and
0: Ash have got. Yeah, if uh, only one percent of it's true, then
2: yeah, it doesn't even have to be, 1%, be one percent. No, be one point one one percent. Yeah,
0: it could just be one. One photograph is a genuine alien, or whatever you want to yeah. class an alien or a genuine UFO. That legitimizes everything
2: yeah and i believe i've got you know in, i say this in, in my personal archive i've got a hundred over a hundred thousand ufo Im, Im, images of stuff that i've analyzed beings and stuff and uh, you know i believe an awful lot of those are real you know t- you know i put my name to that you know whether new information came out to say different you know i would talk go along with you know what people's opinions and new information but you know i do believe an awful lot that i've got is there so like i said disclosure is 100 percent. it's been here a long time you know and people are still looking it makes you laugh really doesn't it because people are unless somebody sat behind a news desk with a suit on and a tie and Rattling the pieces of paper on a desk and saying, <laughs> um, Yeah, today uh, disclosure happened. You know, they won't believe it until then, will they? And, exactly. happy and I think that's it. what it will take. Yeah.
0: That's what yeah. the mass media will have to, or the, the mass population will have to hear it from a source like. Yeah. Fox and the government. News or CNN or. or
2: yeah, the, the government. The media. Like the US government and ours and, you know, other governments. They're not going to give up the disclosure freely because once they do, they're caught with the pants down, aren't they? They've been lying to the public for so many years about, you know, you can start Roswell if you wanted and go on from there. There's so many things that they're, they've said this and that and no, we don't know what this is, we don't know what that is. They know exactly what's going on you know, on, on what's been happening around the world. And then, obviously, the secret tech, the the covert projects, again. All these, um, you know, I spoke about the stealth fighter before. You know, that was on the drawing board probably 30, 40 years before it even became an aircraft. But the technology's always been there. So the technology's there for them to go to, you know,
1: wherever I wanted to bring it back a little bit because you, you said something where you said you have found space stations on the far side of the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you just elaborate on that? What you mean by like found these In
2: space In orbit, stations? when I've looked at – I've gone into – I try to get the most original photograph, anything that I analyze. I always try to go for the – the 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 one that was taken, you know, the most recent, up to date. Because I'd say this as well: if I sent you an image of a UFO and then you sent it to Greg and Greg sent somebody else, each time it's been sent, it's degrading, it's losing quality. You know, it's not the original anymore. Things, you know, you could have a bad computer that sent it, and and then you you receiving a bad image, so you're losing pixelation. It just You know, it goes on and on and on. So if you can get the most original image to analyze, you're going to get the best of the best, aren't you, you know, that you can get. Um, And then I've gone into the original old NASA images and things like that. When I was going in, looking up cases and things, um, and one of the moon, literally, and if you actually go to the far side, you can just see the far side of the moon of what the astronauts took of the moon, which is really high detail, you know, lots of detail in this. But then you you choose to use the filters on, you know, um, Photoshop. And I use Photoshop, like I've said before, not to, you know, change the photograph in any way. Literally just use the filters to bring out the detail and stuff like that. Mm. Um, And again, you can see it. I'll, I'll post it again later for people to see because things get lost on Facebook and that. And you can see a huge space station in orbit around the, the far side. It's literally, and it's curved. It's that big. It curves with the the curvature of the moon, you know, where it's in orbit.
1: Hmm, I'll look out for that. <laughs> I want to.
2: Yeah, I'll put it on later. I'll dig it out and put it back on because I put stuff on and... The, it's funny if things go missing don't they you know you you try and post things and then you think where did that go and that was taken down Or, but yeah I'll, I'll dig that one out for you I think I, I put that in the SETI talk a few years back and there was another one I did of um, satellite footage that was taken from a geo satellite it's one of the weather satellites and it was over the uh, UK or Europe and you can see anyway part of this it was done over a time frame of i can't yeah. remember a couple of hours so it was a, just a, f- a frame of each one and there's a huge um egg-shaped craft that comes into orbit above the earth above europe and it I must be I think I've seen that actually have yeah. you seen that one and it must I be I think so yeah over 2 300 plus miles in size this thing it's, it's huge insane. Hmm. So
0: you, you mentioned about the fact that you've, you've got all these hundreds of thousands of images. Um, you've in, investigated and, and looked at all these different um, bits of footage that people send you. What hmm. would you say is the most compelling piece of footage or photograph that you've, you've been sent? And secondly, of the stuff that's sort of public... As it were, that the the regular TV shows put up, all those kind of things. Is there one that piece of footage that you've seen on there that you go, that is absolutely bang on? That is the money yeah. shot for one of a better. Okay,
2: friends. I'll I'll start with that one uh, first. Mm. A piece of footage that I'm about to actually analyze, um, and it was through Pete Slattery. Actually, which we're talking about Pete. He actually came forward, and, and it's taken me so long to get this footage so I could analyze it. Every time I went to analyze it, I couldn't; it wouldn't let me analyze it. It would freeze the computer. I mean, I go through computers like I don't know what. Somehow I blow them up. And, and um, anyway, I went on to do this, and I, I'm going to do it. Long story short, it was, um, do you remember a few years back when Roger Moore did a Soviet ufo program you know documentary he did a couple of shows and it was about soviet ufos and anyway yeah, the I... there's the, one roger moore did and it, it, it's been kept very hush it's one of those ones that's been suppressed a little bit anyway he talks about ufos and footage they've they brought out and it was taken out the cockpit of a russian fighter jet And it's of two UFOs that are interacting with the 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 actual plane itself. So that that's one I'm going to bring out soon when I get a chance to round you know to do it. Um, The other one, there's so many, but the other one really is the Argentinian pilot footage, which I've got on my Facebook uh, YouTube channel. It's on there for everyone to see as well. It's been used on TV shows. It was on paranormal court on camera it was a japanese tv company took it um and basically this was 2014 this was a argentinian pilot civilian pilot and he sent me the footage he'd seen ufos wanted to keep his name out of the limelight he didn't want of any you know fame or anything and he he, he said um i knew i was going to see ufos again but this time he took his mobile phone with him. And it was early days where they had the camera on the phone and you could actually do it that way. Um, and you can see the footage starts. It's very clear. It's actually quite clear. It's, it's in a a very unusual format because it was taken on his phone. So it's like a long, you know, not like ours where it's horizontal footage, it's like Mm. vertical. Um, and you can see the cockpit, you can see his, um, you can see the, the dash literally, then you see the propellers literally beyond. And then beyond that, you can see the cloud base, uh, very blue sky. You see the cloud very clear. Um, Is this the and, one that
0: you showed me at the show?
2: Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. And insane. And you can see literally he's flying along. Um, you can see the propeller. You can hear the propeller. So it's, you've got everything there. And from his. Um, port side his left side he said he saw the two ufos coming in one was a long elongated craft you know and this followed by a smaller one and they both buzzed right in front of his his aircraft and then they flew in formation back round to his starboard side his right hand side did a figure of eight and then came back and buzzed his aircraft again and Again, I've said this all the time, you know, um, if if a military aircraft did that to a civilian aircraft, it's a, it's a big, big mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, cert- it certainly wouldn't do it twice. It wouldn't come back and do it again. And again, you saw the footage, didn't you? Where yeah. You know, it's very clear. I actually slow it down and analyzed it. And it's just yes. unexplained.
0: Yeah, so definitely an interesting bit of footage. As soon as you mentioned about the propellers, I remembered exactly yeah. which bit of footage you showed me. And um yeah, that's that is a great bit of footage. it, it is well worth
2: um It's had an, an awful definitely... lot of views for obvious reasons, mm. but if yeah. I had to say a piece of footage that anyone can go and watch and everything, you know, and you know, come up with your own opinion again. I, I, I say that to everybody please go and do your own research. Mm-hmm. You know, don't always rely upon what people are telling you. You know, get in there. If you don't believe it's real or you getting a bad vibe about it, then, you know, fair enough. It's, you know, I don't sort of take that to heart. Mm. So t- talking about commercial
0: pilots um, and their um, experiences. So I'm just throwing it out there to both of you now. That I've watched, um, I watched a documentary on TV and it was about pilots that have reported UFO experiences. Mm-hmm. I cannot remember what it was called. I cannot find it anywhere on the internet. And it was brilliant. It was the conversations between air traffic control and the pilots of them witnessing different things they've seen in the sky i yeah. cannot for the life of me find it again i don't know if it was one of those things where i've just made it up in my head but they were taught well, there's one bit of footage and it well it is sort of dramatized footage but the mm. the voice is the actual recordings and it's this commercial pilot saying that they can see some lights in the cloud what appears to be like a a cruise ship size object in the cloud and they went <coughs> excuse me they went underneath it and because they were so intrigued by it they sort of went up and round it a couple of times yeah. to see what it was and they were reporting it as air traffic control as it was happening now yeah. i cannot find this program anywhere and I don't know if I've
2: made it up. If I've made it up, that's some kind of weird experience I've had. It doesn't sound like you've made it up. It's, um, you know, it's no. something. It's either been suppressed or...
0: See, I can't seem to find it anywhere. But that was just... Uh, incidentally, I have a relative who is an airline pilot for a major English carrier. Mm. And I've asked him the question. He's been... An airline pilot for this company, for well, it must be twenty-five years at least—twenty-five, mm. about twenty-five years—and he said to me, "He's never seen anything out of the ordinary." And he flies pilots, long haul, short Yeah, and I just yeah. find that.
2: I think weird, some pilots but... w- wouldn't tell you even if they did, just because it's old school. Um, yeah. You know, you, you you want to keep your job, you don't wanna be um, you know, somebody mocking you for that's why they didn't do it, you know, but we didn't yeah. come forward. Yeah, no, definitely. With... Yeah.
0: It was just he said he'd seen like he'd seen odd but normal stuff like high air balloons high up and it'd flown by those, but nothing out of the ordinary, as it
2: were. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. Well there's nothing to say that there wasn't something already there, you know. Um Ooh. I mean, there was a case in, in the new book that I wrote, uh, another UFO encounters uh, book, and that was uh, David Caton. You know, uh, he's um, he's a brilliant researcher. Uh, he's been around a long time, you know, but he's ex-Air Force and aerospace himself, so very similar to my background. Um, and hit the case he put forward for me in the book, which I'd never heard of before, um, was a, a sighting that happened in Cyprus, which is R.E.F. Akateri, I think it is over there. Um, and it was in 1958 when he was over there, stationed over there. Uh, and it was uh, in the radar uh, unit, which is on the Trudos Mountains in Cyprus. Um, and a friend of his, uh, Barry Porter, was in the radar room with him at 6 a.m. in the morning. And he said they uh, they both witnessed where they were tracking the UFO that was coming in uh, originally at 800 miles an hour over the Egyptian coast. Um, they tracked it in at 38,000 feet. Um, and they scrambled, at the time, the, the most modern jet at the time was a Hawker Hunter, which is, you know, it, it, the most modern jet fighter they had. They scrambled these jets up and and couldn't, Tried to intercept this object, couldn't intercept it at all, and this was like your typical tic tac that has recently been uh, released from the U.S. government. So you know we're talking 1958 and tic tacs around then, not literally what he said. And he said, as they were witnessing this this object, everything it went from 38,000 feet to 60,000 feet in a second that they had on radar and it accelerated up to 18,000 miles an hour and they lost oh. it. The jet fighters could obviously couldn't keep up with that and they lost it over the Turkish coast. Now this is 1958 tic-tac UFO. I've never heard of this. And this is what, you know, David put forward as his, you know, what got him into UFOlogy, um, you know, and they talk about this thing with the U S government with, the the crappy footage they put out literally it's so awful that footage it's like really when i saw it first i just really you know i know it's infrared and everything else in the gimbal i i do understand all that side of it but you know we're talking 58 where there's a case and then they're talking like it's just happening it's been happening right the way through It's interesting because there's um, Ryan Graves,
0: who's doing the rounds on some some of the podcasts at the moment. I listened to him on Joe Rogan, and Mm. he was saying that they were up doing um, military exercises as they normally would. And it was only when they upgraded the radars on their jet fighters in 2018, as soon as they upgraded radars, they started seeing these objects and yeah. these objects are there every day. Yeah, and They were the spheres with the cube inside, which seems to be a popular thing at the moment. That's um, it, yeah. So, so is it the fact that these things have been here forever Yeah, and we just haven't had the means to see them? The tech, yeah, the technology.
2: And really, it goes back to what I was saying before. I believe an awful lot of this sightings is to do with frequency. And Mm -hmm. I say that as in, you know, we talk of what we can see in the the electromagnetic spectrum of light. You know, human beings can only see in a very short field of that light. So outside of that field, you've got uh, radio waves and microwaves, infrared, which the aircraft have. Uh, Ultraviolet, you know, stuff that you can't see, but your camera equipment can see all this. And yes, I've had so many people that have, you know, sent me stuff, you know, where they've taken a photograph of a a scene, they've got a person, a family member in that scene, and they've taken a, a legit photograph of, you know, like everybody does on holiday. And they, when they get back home, they look at the footage and there's a UFO on it and they say, there was nothing there at all when I took that photograph. And then when you look back, the you know, there's a UFO there. Now, to me, that is a frequency thing because the camera mm-hmm. can pick up the frequency, but the human body, human eye can't see that frequency and you're just outside that frequency. And, and I think this is know, where
0: the paranormal... Teams it's the same can thing. Help can yeah. help with the UFOs because I've got full spectrum cameras, as as Ash, that see yeah. infrared, ultraviolet, which we obviously can't see. And for no. years, people in the paranormal community have been using that technology to try and see stuff that you can't see. So yeah. it's interesting that, and one one thing people can do is they can get their mobile phones and they can mm. put the remote control of their TV in front of it and press the when are the buttons and they will see the infrared light come up on their camera which you won't be able to see with your eye Um, so yeah it's this stuff the more i listen to it the more you think well actually this stuff is here all the time we just can't see it because it's not in a frequency range we talk about we've spoken about this with regards to the paranormal and ufos Mm -hmm. the and big fur those kind of cryptid type experiences where it just appears and disappears. Is yeah. it always there? And it's just changing its frequency to allow us to see it. So that's why I, it disappears believe, instantly. It's gone. Yeah. But it's there.
2: It goes bang off, you know, radar sort of thing, mm. literally. Yeah. And again, you know, we're we're talking the frequency of the cameras, the cameras are getting better. Mm-hmm. So the yep. tech is getting better, we're getting to see the infrared and things like that. But again, that comes back to also when I said before about musicians and people like that—people that can yeah. read music. I couldn't read music to save me life. But if you can, you know, you are on a different sort of realm with when you are reading music because you are open to different frequencies, and that's yeah. where I am not saying, you know, not just famous musicians see UFOs. The, you know, uh, people who are not famous but can read music can still see UFOs. It's just the famous people have said talked about it. That's all. Um, yeah. But I th- I put that down to the frequencies again. You know, because what was the saying? Uh, was it Mozart or something said the frequency between the stars or something? It's it's the space. You know. Oh, okay. So you know, there's an awful lot of things. If you go back over, it's all there. You know, you just got to pull it all together. It's like a big jigsaw puzzle, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's a crazy jigsaw, but it's one of those like fifty thousand piece jigsaw puzzles, and you get towards the end and you see you've got some missing. I think that's the. So I've got one. All of us. Yeah, exactly. I've got one last question from me, if that's Mm -hmm. okay. And yeah, so with the state of the world at the moment, we're talking Ukraine, Russia all these weird events, so you've got China coming into it, and the stuff that's happening in Taiwan and North Korea, and the fact that we we seem to be on the brink of some kind of heightened war state, as in, they're all about launching nuclear weapons all over the place, and people testing hypersonic weapons, and whatnot. Historically, UFOs, have been seen over military installations. You've got very famous cases where they've shut down silos and shut down nuclear equipment. Do you think if UFOs are real, we know that they are, but for the mass population, they, there's still a lot of people on the fence there. Do you think that if, so there's two questions, actually, do you think that they will show themselves, if one or more of these rogue states presses the button, and will they stop it? Because they've seemed to be able to stop it in the past. And B, uh, where is this tech coming from? Because it can't be uh, rogue nations. I know they talk about Chinese drones and that, but Mm -hmm. these tic-tac stuff, they can't be Russian tech. Otherwise, here they've destroyed Ukraine by now. So the question is, do you think that the nuclear weapons will be or potentially be disarmed or malfunction caused by the UFOs trying to protect the planet? And what are they? What is the tech? What is it? Where is it from?
2: Sorry,
0: that's Uh, a bit of a weird question. (laughs)
2: It's all right, yeah. Yeah, I really do believe it wouldn't be allowed, literally, that they would interact just because you're talking the masses of people, it's going to affect just Uh through a few crazy people with the fingers on the buttons that can't, you know, control themselves, you know, and (laughs) it's all saber rattling by, you know, what they're doing. We'll do this. We'll do that. And when it comes to the crunch, I don't think it would be allowed just because of the mass of people it would affect. Um, You know, we don't want it and we've got no control over it. So they would have to probably interact. Uh, They probably look over us and watch over us like um, very similar to Star Trek, you know, the Federation where they can watch, observe, but they can't interfere. Um, But then there'll be a point where they've got to interfere Um, again through, you know, silly weapons that they've got. And I also believe what's going on in the world is, is, is a smokescreen for other things that are happening. Um, you know, that it's been it's it's diverting the public and their attention to what's going on, but it's not what is really going on. And, you know, things are happening that, you know, we'll all see eventually it's all gonna come, you know, come out in the wash as we say.
0: That's what my mum says, it'll all come yeah. out in the wash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not putting you in the age bracket with my mum. I'm definitely not. I'm just like saying. <laughs> so wow, what do yeah. you what do you think the tech is?
2: The the tech that um the US so government. Like the seeing. No, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. All the stuff that we're now sort of seeing on gimbal, the, the gimbal I, footage, the tic tac, what
2: yeah. you you got to remember that the footage that's been shown there is on the tic-tac is in infrared so the human eye can't see that people are watching that piece of footage and they're assuming that you're you're watching it like like we're watching each other on the screen now um and it's not it's only been seen in a different frequency you know so again if we got tech that is that good that does cloak into that effect probably I can remember when I left the Air Force, they were just bringing out a paint that they put on the aircraft. So when it flew over water, it changed colour to the colour of the water or over land. And I'm talking, what, 97, probably there, when they were bringing that out. Yeah, so, you know, to see what I mean, it, it, I'm not saying it's extraterrestrial. I'm not even saying that it's it's from retrieved extraterrestrial but it's technology that's beyond what you and I are thinking about um, if it is extraterrestrial they're playing around with the military aren't they they're, they're just you know it's obviously fun and games to them what they can do they can you know like that pilot said when he, act, he had the interaction with the tic tac and then when he went back to the rendezvous that only he knew he was going to it was already waiting for him there and yep. it was going from ground zero, you know, the ocean, out of the ocean from ground zero to 80,000 feet in probably seconds, just like that one in, in Cyprus that I explained before. Mm. We've, we've got nothing we know about, have we? Tech, in that respect, we, we we're looking at helicopters and aircraft and nothing that can do anything like that. You know, even down to the fastest aircraft we've ever had. We're talking Concord. It's not even in use anymore. You know, so, that you know, there is tech that they use and they don't want us to know. And, cool. you know, the ETs, they're going to show up on, on their own. They're not going to go via the government to show themselves because, you know, we can't trust them, can we, for a start? <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: a whole okay, never-, so, st- whole never <laughs> <episode>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you've mentioned your your, brook, your brooks your books yeah a couple of times. <laughs> you got UFO photos, UFO encounters, and I've got this lovely copy, signed copy. Oh yes, ufology umbrella. I'm about two thirds away through, but yeah, yeah. fascinating stuff. Really in depth photos and analysis and information. So first of all, sort of great work on the books. How so? How did that come about? And then also, how can we find them?
2: Yeah, well, how the books came about really was um, through Philip Mantle. Um, I'd I'd started to analyze, like I said before, you know, I'd, I've always, you know, had that thirst for information and you know cases and wanted to know the truth. And then I'd debunk cases, but I'd put out the findings, and you know, that's how really that came about. And then I would do images for Philip and to buy books and things for him. And then he just said one day, "So why don't you write a book?" And I thought, "I've never wrote a book before, you know." And uh, he said, "Oh, I'll help you through it." You know, he does it to everybody. This is what Philip does. And um, I said, "Oh, go on then," you know, because I thought I'm going to get the help here to do it and stuff. And the first book I did was the UFO photo, which is basically what it is. It's it's where I analyse images for people of, you know, what, whatever cases I go through, the, the Argentinian ones in there and stuff like that and I go through and show people how I analyse it using Photoshop, because it's not secret anyone can do this it's just I've managed to come up with doing it first and showing people how to do it themselves um, and then I go into detail saying, you know, misidentifications of birds drones, airplanes, all that sort of thing, and then go down that road and then the second book the one you just shown there the ufology umbrella was as i progressed in ufology so did my what i was thinking and the things i was finding out and i didn't realize like most people do that the seven separate categories of close encounters as you know you go through the book i tried to explain everyone thinks it was close encounters one two and three and obviously close encounters of the third kind came out With the spielberg movie and dr heineck and everything brought them through and it was him who actually brought close encounters of the third kind out but after then ufologies progressed as we said it doesn't stand still for anybody so you're talking people started talking about abductions and hybrids and so it goes into more depth and and there's actually seven separate categories so it breaks down in that book what they are, I put cases to the different categories and, and just tried to explain it. And then, if people want to go out and do a sky watch, I've done a thing in the back where you can tell you what to do and how to go about the sky watch and set it up and you know, meditate before all those sort of things to get you in the right frame of mind. And then, the third book, uh, The Ufology Umbrella Up Close and Personal. I've, I've said this you know i say this all the time i mean i've been so lucky that i've met the people who i've read their books coming through my journey you know the you know the hynix and you know those sorts of people and you know um you know philip mantle and peter uh, peter robinson you know left at eastgate i can go through so many books and i've Met so many people and done so many case images etc for them, so I've got to know an awful lot of people. And this book, I really wanted to know how they got into ufology. Just like I would say to you, Ash or you, Greg, and say, "How do you how did you get into ufology? What did you come across a case? Did you have an experience or whatever missing time or something like that?" Um, and and that's really I just put the feelers out and just said to everybody, can you let me know, you know, I'm putting a new book together, can you let me know how you got into it? And they came forward, all these different cases right the way through, you know, the likes of, um, you know, Philip Mantle and Peter, uh, Peter Robinson, Mary Rod, well, you know, the book, um, even Bruce Maccabee, who was somebody I looked up to, who's done the image analysis thing for an awful long time. You know, he's gone through and, and done great work on cases right through and he actually gave me his first ever scientific paper he wrote which never been published before and he said yeah I'll put that in, this is how I got into UFOlogy and it was it was wrote about basically um, uh, why would a scientist decide to study UFOs and that was his paper, that's what he wrote. So I've been looking and I've got friends who also sort of outside UFOlogy like musicians, we've got Friend of mine, Nasha, um, used to be in Frankie Goes to Hollywood, you know, the the band, he was the guitarist, and how we got into UFology and Steve Merrill, you know, David Caton, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And I've been so humbled and privileged to be able to have done that and put it together.
1: Awesome. So, where can our listeners find more about you and the books and your YouTube. Yeah. And everything. If
2: anybody wants to look into what I do and things, you can go on Facebook, UFO only. Um, I've also got the YouTube channel where there's all the videos on there that I've done documentaries and things like that all free to everybody, you know, um, you can go on there. If anybody wants any of the books, the UFO photo, the UFOlogy umbrella and the new book, UFO encounters up close and personal. You can get them on via Amazon or through Philip Mantle's Flying Disc Press.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks, Jason, for coming on and sharing your stories. It has been amazing. Oh, it's been a pleasure.
2: I I always really enjoy these shows. You know, just talking ufology because that's what we all love, don't we?
0: Definitely. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. Do appreciate it. Yeah. Cheers,
2: guys. Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg.